Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hi, welcome back. <laughs> you know what you're listening to. We're going to get right I into hope they it. know what they're listening to. <laughs> this is going to be the part two of lengthy assessment discussion, or sorry, not assessment, consent to IEPs. This week we'll focus on assessments, but we actually have a couple of announcements before we get into that. We do. So we have our event that's coming up in September. So by the time you guys hear this, it'll probably be the first week of September. So it's just around the corner, Thursday the 13th. Yes, please make sure you buy your tickets because there will be a increase at the door. So if you buy it up till the day before, mm-hmm. you're going to get a bigger discount than if you buy it the day of. And I think we mentioned this, there is a VIP option where you're going to get a chance to have a meet and greet with our panelists, which is one of the things that we're going to kind of sneak peek today. So we've got a great panel of experts. And so Grace Lasada, who is the VP of Education for Fusion Academy, who we've had Fusion on the pod before, is going to be our moderator for the event. So she's going to really take into consideration all the issues that that we're wanting to discuss and make sure that we have a healthy debate going on on the panel. What's the name of our event? Oh. <laughs> Which are the topics? Oh. I feel like so we've is... talked about this so much, but know, you're I right. Know. In so case someone's... Building the bridge between school, learning, and mental health. So the panelists that were curated for this event really had schooling, learning, and mental health in mind. This year in particular, we've seen a lot with a lot of the school shootings, a lot of the crossover between mental health. And although mental health has been brought up, it's not really the focus in the center. So we wanted to have an event and, you know, and that's why it's saying building the bridge, right, is, right. is to try and get these uh, panel of experts. And that's why we think Grace is a, is a perfect fit because she, she was at Fusion, but before that she was in the public sector as well. And that's why we think she's going to be a great moderator. Yeah. I mean, we're really focusing not just on having this conversation about the challenges between school and mental health, but really what are we going to do about it? What can we do? The practical implications. How can we really create strategies and make an actual impact in our schools rather than just talking about it, right? Like we talk about how everyone's on Twitter saying hopes and prayers, hopes and prayers, mm-hmm. and we're saying and a lot of people now, hopes and prayers are not enough. What do we do from here? So that's I think the Parkland kids spark that. So that's, yes. you know, our little inspiration as professionals in the community and as knowing other professionals in the education and schooling and private sector, we wanted to kind of bring all these people together. And, and I think Grace is going to do a great job, um, especially with her background. Yeah. So then on our panel, we have Dr. Matthew Corey, who is from the Mind Health Institute in Newport Beach. And so he has a a great background in the mental health aspect. We then have Dr. Sabrina Shuck, who is from the Department of Pediatrics at UCI. And she has a a plethora of expertise that, I mean, if I talked about her- She's been at UCI alone for like over 20 years. Yeah, if if I did her whole CV, we'd be here all day. 
And then we have Dr. Jeannie Morgan, um, who is a licensed educational psychologist from the Anxiety and Depression Center of Newport Beach. So we've got a great panel with the hopes of, of really sparking a great discussion, not only on the challenges that we see in our schools right now, but also what can we do about it. And everyone on our panel has experience both in and outside of the school setting. So I think it's going to be a great perspective for parents, educators, administrators, anyone that comes to really get an idea of, you know, what can we do to help? So one great thing I will say is that we will be recording the panel um, to have as an episode of the pod. So if you are not located in Southern California or you're not able to attend that day, don't fret. You'll be able to hear this great conversation. But if you are free on that day and you're close enough We really hope that you take the time to come because even though, yes, you could hear it afterwards on the pod, I think the great group of of panelists and our sponsors that'll be there will give you an opportunity to kind of bring that conversation to a new level if you're actually there. You're doing a couple different things. Obviously, if you're local, it's going to be at the Chuck Jones Center for Creativity, which if you haven't been to the Chuck Jones Center for Creativity, it's a really cool venue. It's a really cool spot. Um, which is located in Costa Mesa off the 405. And, you know, you're, you're going to be at this event to learn something, but also you will be there to do something because we're trying to make it a, a fun night out. It's a heavy topic, but there's going to be a silent auction where um, the Inclusive Education Project over the last couple months has tried to get silent auction items donated and we have a lot of great stuff Um, we'll talk about uh, we've been talking about some of the stuff but we really try to take the things that we get donated for instance like tickets to the museum uh, and we pair it you know with a bottle of wine that we get donated or you know uh, even uh, cheesecake factory who's someone that has donated to us this year in particular and we try to make fun little packages for you to bid on and you're It's not just you bidding on something that you want. All proceeds, 100% of the proceeds go to the Inclusive Education Project. And as you know, we seek to advocate on behalf of of children with special needs in particular. But of course, it's inclusive. So uh, we try to better all children. You know, that's the mission of the Inclusive Education Project. And we're really excited about this event because so many different people have reached out to us and wanting to not only express their gratitude for holding such an event, but like saying that, you know, it's going to a good cause and we just appreciate the support. So hopefully you can support us. Obviously, Amanda and I will be there. So if we haven't met, you can meet us there. And yeah, so the VIP ticket is $50. And what gets included is what Amanda had said, an opportunity to meet the the panel. You get priority on the silent auctions. You get time when it closes to everyone else to put in your last couple of bids. Two drink tickets. We will have alcohol at that this one's event. Important <laughs> That's important. <one. laughs> um, obviously, um, heavy appetizers. And as we get closer to the event, we'll kind of let you know what those are. And, you know, obviously just a good time out. And, and you forgot they get to meet us, too. <laughs> That's anybody that walks through the door to be able to meet us. So the general admission tickets, $20.00. It includes one drink ticket, so we'll still get you through the door with a drink. Obviously, the heavy appetizers. So, you know, if you can get the general admission ticket online before, you know, at the door, which it will go up at the door, go online, and it's just a cute little URL. It's just 
B as in boy, I as in Irene, T as in Tom, like bit, dot, L, Y, forward slash, I, E, P, panel. So if you just type that in, it'll take you directly to the website where you can purchase your ticket. And yeah, hopefully you guys are able to make it. I think it's going to be a really good event and there's going to be a lot that we can discuss even after the event. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, and we're going to hope hope to get our panelists on the pod as well um, eventually. But if you tune in next week, which will be the Tuesday of the mm-hmm. event, so two days before, we're going to talk about our sponsors mm-hmm. of the event. So you'll get an opportunity to see who else is going to be there. If you're an organization and, and you want to you know, meet other people from other organizations, there's going to be some pretty cool stuff in your swag bags as well. So that's something that oh, you're yeah, going to get. With, that. Yeah, you get a, a pretty nice swag bag. Uh, full of, of goodies and information from but everyone There's that's a lot involved. of events out there, and we get it. Like, where do you put your time and your money? We try to be as uh, creative and fun and educational as possible. So, I mean, you're getting a swag bag. You're getting a panel discussion. You know, it's not just one person kind of lecturing at you. It's it, I'm sure it's going to be lively. I'm sure they're going to disagree on certain things. You know, you're getting a silent auction. You're getting a night out. Look, we know that you've got lots of choices when you get a babysitter, Mm -hmm. but we're Mm -hmm. telling you now, this is going to be one event you won't want to miss. And I feel like as a weekday, your babysitter should give you a weekday discount, (laughs) right? (laughs) Right, right, exactly. It's a Thursday. You only have to make it through Friday. It's not going to be a super into the night event. Obviously, it starts at 530 and we have an end time, you know, about 830. So although it is a very heavy topic, we feel it's important to have that discussion you know, we try to edge it out with something fun. So that's a silent auction and obviously um, having drinks there. So hopefully you guys can make it. And yeah, next week we'll get into the sponsors who, without them, I mean, we couldn't put this on. No, we, we wouldn't <laughs> be here. So we do appreciate them and we'll we'll shout them out. And, and again, um, if you haven't gone on to our Facebook mm-hmm. and added yourself or requested to be part of our private Facebook group, please do so. We're starting to have a lot more lively conversations. Actually, I was on it this morning. I, <laughs> I had a, there were a couple of uh, people who named us by name and asked for our opinion. And so I was like, oh, I'll take a couple minutes and know that like we are on there trying to be active. We may not answer every single question. We may not um, respond to everything, but we, we do try our best to, to get in there and provide some feedback. So it's a another opportunity for you guys to be part of that conversation. And that URL is www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash IEP podcast. In case you can't find it on the search bar for whatever reason, you can just type that in and it'll take you right there and you can request to join. Vicky's so, got all the URLs I got today all the because URLs. I did not remember to bring my laptop today. All I have is my phone. All which, in my head. Look, oh, that would be really funny if it was. <laughs> all I've got is my phone today, which I can't bear to look at because I lost a sports bet and I have a Chicago Bears case on my phone. I am a wow. diehard Denver wow. Broncos fan. So I paired my phone with a Broncos shirt today mm-hmm. because I have to counteract it and let mm-hmm. people know this is not my affiliation. I lost a bit. Football, football, football. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get into <laughs> part two of our conversation. Hey, I you acknowledge know it. I acknowledge what you have said. This is important. And how hard it must be for you. <laughs> so something else that's hard for parents. Obviously, we went through 
consenting in part and disagreeing in part to an IEP, but something else that we wanted to get into were assessments. And on top of that too, releases of information. We'll get into releases of information because I think we'll get, we'll have a lot to say about the assessments, but oftentimes we'll have a child in private therapy and the child may have some school-based counseling or there's regional center, there's a wraparound team, there, you know, a kid can have so many different things and, or the doctor is indicating that the, uh, the child has this particular type of diagnosis and the district comes to you and they go, you know what, we really want our nurse to talk to your doctor, the other outside provider, can you just sign this release of information? And Amanda and I, depending on the case, I mean, it's a toss-up. It really depends on what is happening. Yeah, we're going to give you that typical attorney answer right. of it, it depends. depends. <laughs> I mean, there are many situations where I find it very helpful right. to sign yep. a release. Obviously, if there is a medical need, for right. instance, you have a kid who has seizures mm-hmm. and a certain protocol needs to be followed, yes. that school nurse needs to understand exactly what that protocol is to put in the health and safety plan in the IEP. Or dietary restrictions. The dietary restrictions. It's Another black and white. Yeah. Another big one is when we have... We have ABA, Applied Behavioral Analysis, at school, and we also have ABA at home. Mm -hmm. It is imperative that the ABA providers at home and at school talk to each other. I was talking to someone about... I don't even remember like what event it was, but we were talking about how so many outside providers, you know, aren't asking to be part of the IEP team. And... It's not just up to the outside provider, the home ABA provider, to be part of the IEP team. It's also the IEP team, Mm -hmm. right? And so sometimes we'll get parents who have, like, I'll have parents that tell me all the time that they've had home ABA for years, and the district has not once asked for the home ABA, like, to sign a release. Well, you get the general, that's home, and at school it's very structured. But there are certain strategies under need applied to be behavioral analysis that need to be consistent and that structure needs to be there. So if you're getting two different schools of thought, really, right. then the child gets really confused right. and there, it's, yeah. there's no benefit. Even like some kiddos, like you use specific language with them mm-hmm. and if you're using mm-hmm. different language, it's so confusing. Yeah. Or let's say there's behaviors that are happening at home but not at school or at school, not at home. That's a typical example, mm-hmm. right? And oftentimes it's pushed aside as, well, that's home or that's school, different environment, end of story. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not the end of the story because no matter if it's a different setting, if there is something that works in one setting, right. until you try it in the other setting, you cannot say it's a different setting, so therefore right. it will not work. You have right. to try it first. So you're being having those conversations. You're being collaborative. You're saying, okay, I hear what you're saying. This is private information that you otherwise won't have access to. That's the one hand, Right. You are doing everything that you can to provide as much knowledge to the district because they have a genuine interest Mm -hmm. in it. Now, the downside. This has happened several times to clients that have signed these things and then come to us. And what ends up happening is the nurse will have a conversation or the school-based speech and language pathologist will have a conversation with the speech and language, the private speech and language path. And they twist their words mm-hmm. or, you know, or pediatricians, or sometimes pediatricians, doctors, it happens. Right. Oftentimes, you know, in the, in the district staff may be asking certain questions that, you know, that's really an IEP team decision. 
And, you know, when the parent has a particular opinion from a pediatrician, the district likely says that's medically based and that has nothing to right. do with it. And when it's like right. helping them all of a sudden. So something, you know, and that that's a downside that and that's a downside to to ever sharing information. Right. Stuff can be district. taken out of context, right. can be misconstrued. So something that we've started doing and it's not in all cases, it just depends. But if, for example, for a doctor, you know, you start getting chatty with doctor, they could say all sorts of things. So when there's specific questions that the nurse has, that she put it in writing and that she provide it to the doctor and the doctor will provide written. So nothing can, like right. if the doctor writes it down, then it's like written down. Right. It cannot be misconstrued because what ends up happening is the nurse says, well, the doctor said X, Y, and Z. Well, then the parent goes back to the doctor. The doctor, it's a month later and the doctor's like, I guess I said that. I don't really remember saying that or no, I right. didn't say that. And right. so then that kind of alleviates. And that's something that I've just seen with one particular pediatrician he's the one that gave me the idea was that he at first he was like I don't speak to districts because they always misconstrue and I was like wow this right. has affected him right. and so he's like oh, you know if if you put it in writing the questions and I was like oh that's a great idea yeah. I'd rather do that yeah. and get some information yeah. than get no information right. and that wasn't coming from us we weren't right. saying you have to put this in writing yeah. but now that's some, an option I give to the, yeah. the doctor I mean another idea that I've used in certain circumstances is limiting that consent yes. to that release mm-hmm. so it may be you're limiting it to only a month Right. Right. So it's not open ended forever. Mm -hmm. It's you have let's say there's triennial assessments being done. Mm -hmm. So you have until that IEP date or you can limit the scope of the questioning. So a doctor has to follow and therapists have to follow HIPAA Mm -hmm. rules. So if you put on the release that they're only allowed to talk about the epilepsy and Mm -hmm. the protocols Mm -hmm. to which the the student needs to be cared for when there is an episode, Mm -hmm. then the doctor can only talk about that. They cannot talk about their autism or anything else mm-hmm. that they may have, they have to really limit that scope. So sometimes that helps and sometimes as well. a student, I had a student once, she had 16 different doctors. She Oof. had a plethora of just medical issues and neurologists and this person and that person and ENTs. And, and it's just like, oh my gosh. Like, so if, you know, we're talking about her dietary restriction, you need to talk to her gastrologist you can't even really talk to her general pediatrician because they don't know the extent of right. which the dietary restrictions right. like they could look at something and, and, and if they're not in the same network for whatever reason because a lot of times they try to with medical to keep everybody under but you know sometimes you're getting to go see this person and this person they might not so have there's specialists all over right, the place that right. parents and have to travel to try and keep all of that straight and then it's just like oh well in a recent case that i had it was like the neurologist was okay with having the child go back to school full time, but then the pediatrician was like, no, or the ENT was like, no, because fall time is like when a lot of kids are sick. And it's just like, okay, now you have two doctors right. that are completing. So it's like, if the parent actually sided with the one that said, no, she's not ready to go back, let's try the modified you wouldn't necessarily want, you know, because that's a parent decision, yeah. too. Like, yeah. the neurologist, that's nice that you think that, but, you know, let's say with a grain of salt, right. you might not know They're not the specialists that would talk about right, that Right, of the child getting sure. illness. Well, because, and the neurologist may have said something like, based on the conditions that I am treating, right. she is fine. Right. But the question wasn't asked, mm-hmm. are there any reasons, right? And so sometimes even something as simple as that about the way that the questions are asked. And, and I'm not saying it's necessarily something that's it's, 
being asked on purpose to misconstrue. Sometimes it's not on, on purpose. But I did want to mention something while we're on the like medical and consent, all this. There is something that has been put on IEPs. And this has been the last couple of years. There's laws in place that allow the school districts to bill Medicare or Medi-Cal for services for students that have IEPs. So there are some school districts that are creating a separate form for that. And then the parents are being provided this form and it explains what it is, but it doesn't explain everything. But then there are other school districts I've started noticing that are putting it. Do you know the part on the on the signature IEP page consent. on the IEP? There's a slot for consent to the IEP. And then there's another form, another little line that's for consent to this medical waiver. And that's very tricky. So this is I've had a lot of parents that have asked, well, should I consent to this or should I not? And I've had IEP meetings where I have been at the IEP meetings like three different times and I've told the team that parent is not signing it mm. and they still shove it in their face every mm. time. So essentially the schools say, look, this is just our ability to get more services for your child. So it sounds great, right? Well, I've had a number of students where it's actually had the opposite implication. If a child has Medicare or Medi-Cal and is receiving certain services or may in the future receive certain services, ABA, speech, mm-hmm. whatnot, if the district bills Medicare or Medi-Cal for your child, it can affect the services you get at home. Right. The school district is obligated on their own to fund the services that are deemed appropriate and necessary under the student's IEP. Just because they're now allowed to bill Medi-Cal does not mean you have to consent to it. And in fact, I would say in the majority of cases, I would not consent to that because we have seen an effect where students are then not allowed, not able, they're being denied services at home they desperately need simply because the district basically double dipped. They're already getting funding for this. They don't need Medi-Cal too. Yeah, it's interesting that they have the parents sign it each and every time because one would think, because like I've seen it where the district, like the child, there's no likelihood that the child would ever need Medi-Cal and they'll be like, oh, you know, you want to sign this because they'll even get them to sign it. It's like not even applicable, but they're like, oh, you just sign this so that if your child ever gets Medi-Cal, that we could use the funding. And so then even that, it's just like, okay, but you know that this parent, there's never going to be a likelihood that this child will ever be on Medi-Cal, but you're still kind of not even explaining it. And I've, I mean, I've questioned them a couple of times and, you know, a lot of them don't necessarily really know. They just, all they no, know No, they're is being like, told that, yeah. that this is going to help, right? right? Because oh, there's that perception that schools don't have enough funding. So a lot of parents think, I'm being denied because they're not money. So if I allow this to happen, I won't be denied. Well, you know what? I hate to say it, but it's not going to have any effect for your child, most likely. It's going to allow them to pay for the services that are already in the IEP and allow them to get off the hook and essentially double dip. And it could affect your ability to get services later on, whether you have Medi-Cal now or not. So that's just something that... And we'll get to withdrawing consent, I think, in a minute. But, like, if you've already consented to that Medi-Cal waiver or a Medicare waiver and you're now thinking, "Mm, maybe that's not a good idea, you can write a letter to the district and say, I signed this, but I am withdrawing my consent. Mm -hmm. And it has to be in writing. Yeah. And and that's just something that that you can evaluate and see. But I had a client where she's never signed that and it Medi-Cal was still being billed. So when she needed additional PT or whatnot, they were like, you don't have any more, you know, funding for PT. And she's like, what are you talking about? And it was, it it took like six months for her to like go back, 
get the records from the the school like because the district was like we don't know what you're talking about and she's like you need to handle this because you're the ones that started right. billing fraudulently i, I yeah. never gave consent it was like it so i mean you know just think about it and make your decision accordingly and a lot of times when it comes to assessments you know parents just look at the assessment plan that's provided and they just sign it. you know they they don't think twice about it they just kind of sign it and it's important to really look at each area right so we know what the i you know the not necessarily the iq depending on your child but you know we'll have the psychoeducational evaluation the cognitive ability cognitive ability the academic assessments that are typically done by a teacher you know read it (laughs) because it'll tell you who's doing what you know you don't want an occupational therapist doing a speech and language evaluation and not that that could happen but I had a deaf and hard of hearing child once, and there are certain testings that you can do, not necessarily like the health-based ones where the nurse is like really, but you know, it was done by just the resource specialist teacher and parents were like up in arms and they're like, this parent, you know, she doesn't know anything about deaf and hard of hearing. And, you know, under the IDEA, as long as she had a credential as a resource teacher. She was capable, like yeah, it's, of it's the qualification. Anyone mm-hmm. who has the qualifications to conduct that assessment can. Right. And just because someone has one title doesn't mean that that may yeah. be their only qualifications. But it is really important. But also note that like assessment plans are just like IEPs; they can be amended. Yes. You don't. It's not an all or nothing thing. So let's say they have checked cognitive, academic, speech, and language. That's all they have. But you feel the student has social emotional issues. You feel that there's fine motor. When you get that assessment plan, what we recommend is that you go and you check mark those boxes of those other assessments that you want. Mm -hmm. And you write, if there's a one that's not listed, you write it in. And then when you go to consent, you either do it on a separate letter or on that signature line say consent only with the added changes. At that point, the district then has to amend or write a prior written notice why they're not amending. Right, and so then they can, you know, deny the request, but that's why you have a prior written notice. They would say, you know, why. And that's why it's important to write down why, you know, you're not just saying, well, I won, you know, this evaluation in this area, and it was like, okay, well, that wasn't something that we thought you wanted. Give us a little bit more of an explanation. Because sometimes, you know, I was just at um, an IDR and, Previously, the child's triennial was in January of this last year, and there was a speech and language review, and we didn't agree with it because it was just a review of the past triennial, which was 2015, and then any other records that they had. And so it was actually one of the district people that, you know, and this is an, I, this is an informal dispute resolution. This, this can typically happen with parents and the district, but in our case, obviously, we were present for it. And we're just trying to reach an agreement to an IEP that maybe there was a disagreement to. And so, you know, it was nice that she was like, oh, yeah, we, we really need to do an assessment because, you know, for the triennial, you should be doing the assessments over again. It should not it be a record review. Record there, is, review. there is a very it's clear so case law yeah. that says that triennial assessments must be a comprehensive but assessment. if the parent agreed to it in the assessment well, plan. Well, if the assessment plan doesn't say doesn't have speech and language checked, and they decide to do a records review, fine. If it says records review only, fine, you can send it to that. You However, if it that. says mm-hmm. just speech and language, then that means a comprehensive assessment. Right. And, and right. also when we're looking at if they're gonna deny an area that you added, they have to have a reason, right? So 
in the IDEA, when we're looking at what does it mean for the district's obligation to have to assess in all areas a suspected disability, it's just that suspected disability. Mm -hmm. So if you as a parent have a suspicion that the child's fine motor deficits are imp impeding their ability to learn because they're not able to type on the keyboard and they're required to do paragraphs on paragraphs on the keyboard, or they're not getting enough content out writing because their fine motor deficits are causing that. So you, if you have this type of piece of paper and you say, I'm asking for an occupational therapy assessment because I believe that there are fine motor issues. Even if you don't say the words fine motor, you say, I have, I'm looking at their writing. Or let's say social emotional. Sally comes home and says that she has no friends and that she tries to play with friends and nobody says it. I don't care if the school team says, we see her going up to students. If she's relaying to you that she's not having friends, then that that her going up to a student that's being observed from across the playground is her trying to make friends and getting no feedback in return. Right. So that is a suspicion of a disability that there is an impairment in her social skills that needs to be addressed through an assessment. That is enough. That is enough for an assessment. Right. And, and I mean, it's something along the lines of you are part of the IEP team. You may not be at school and you may get a, oh, no, we do see her. And it's just like, OK, well, I need data. So why don't you start right. collecting data? That's what an so, assessment is you for. Know, and that's what an assessment can provide. Now, it can be written in several different ways, but it, it's one of those things. And, and you can agree to it because, it oh, OK, that makes sense. I want, you know, the aid that's out there to, you know, do a record of the data, you know, for the next 30 days. And then, you know, we can review and see because we have all these other assessments or whatnot. But it's important for you, you know, to see if additional data is, is needed, even when, and we've kind of touched base on this with the IEP, you know, those baselines, that is your starting point, right? For right. those goals. So if you don't even agree with those baselines, you need to say something. Right. And um, you need to have them collect data. Right. And you need to have them collect data because it's one of those things where you only know what you know. And the district has everything, you know, record, we, we know teachers that have their binders and they're mm -hmm. all organized and, you know, they may be doing that, you know, to be organized themselves, but, you know, they do get sued and they do have to be prepared. And, you know, when there is an inherent distrust because, you know, for six years, you feel like your child has been working on the same goals, which was the parent that I went to the IDR yesterday for, you know, that trust is gone and it's like we're, right. we're needing to rebuild it. And thankfully, you know, she has a fresh start. We're going into high school. It's a new team. And so we're starting off strong, but she had to get counsel for that. Like, you know, they're shaking in their boots because it's like, oh, okay, you know, and, and they're being so nice and crossing their T's and dotting all their I's. And so for you parents that, you know, are, are advocating on behalf of your children on your own, there's so many resources out there. And, and we know that our Facebook group is, is quickly becoming one of them where p other parents share their experiences. Yeah. And that's all, that's all Amanda and I have ever said that this podcast was about. Plenty of special education attorneys and plenty of reasonable people can disagree. There's so many yeah. different ways to approach it. We use a very collaborative approach because, you know, we're not going to be attorneys for a child from 3 to 22. We'd like to. In um, some cases, we may we be, but most of them, but we, we shouldn't. shouldn't. No. And so then that's why, you know, we have the podcast. This is why we have the Facebook group, because you can be experiencing something completely different. And Amanda and I have like a range of just experiences that we've had. We've had some really great IEP teams and we've had some really not so great IEP teams and then everybody else kind of falls in the middle. And so we're hoping that, you know, the consent is just kind of giving you 
some food for thought and, and yeah. a different perspective. And, and the district may be giving you a different perspective of, of how to consent or, or why you should be consenting or why they're writing things. But that's why you ask questions. Hey, why did you send me this prior written notice? I really don't understand it. That's okay to write back. Like, right. I don't understand what you're right. saying because right. I saw A, B, and C. And you're not even really answering A, B, and C. You're just saying no. And that's okay. You know, it's okay to, you know, and we say in writing because you could have that conversation. You could have a great conversation and then it's kind of done and over. But we hope that that was helpful wrapping up our part two. And remember, when assessment plans, just like we said with IEPs, we are, California is a consent state, Mm -hmm. meaning that they cannot Mm -hmm. start those assessments until you they have that consent now if you're in a state that's a non-consent state then they propose that assessment plan if you don't say no i don't agree then they Mm -hmm. actually can get started on that so just make sure you're diligent with those and and the case law differs from jurisdiction to jurisdiction so don't like i said we're in california we're on a consent state non-consent states have their own ed codes that apply it a little bit differently. So some may have different rules for assessment plans that they do for IEP. So please check out your local education code if you are not in California. And come to our event, September 13th, 5.30, Thursday. Southwest has some really, really cheap flights to Orange County. Okay. So if you're not in Southern California that's and you aggressive. still want to come, <laughs> that's aggressive. Actually, that, that, that's I'm just true. Saying. There was like 39 flights I did see the other day. If you're in San Francisco, yeah, they were $39 yeah. from Oakland, yeah. all over California. That was crazy. And if not, no worries. I'm sure we will be all social media out that night. And uh, obviously, we'll be recording it for your listening pleasure. So hope you guys have a good rest of your day, week, month, year. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we're almost in, or we're in it September. It almost is September. Oh, I guess by the time then, we... Yeah, it's September. Yeah, it is September. Yeah. So, Damn. okay, enjoy, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.